0: they don't call virginia the old dominion state for nothing did you know that it's home to three kinds of deadly spiders and did you know it's also illegal to flip a coin to decide who pays for coffee in richmond virginia besides being weird in those ways there are some downright strange weird and terrifying stories coming out from virginia welcome back to the swamp my friends and welcome if you're new Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true horror stories from Virginia sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share, whether it's from Virginia or another state entirely, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. Before we start this first story, I just wanted to give you all a quick disclaimer that there are some notes of assault in this story, and if that is a trigger or bothers you, feel free to use the timestamps in the description or pinned comment to skip to the next story. This was back in the 1980s. I'm a female that was born in 1975, and I was born and raised in Virginia. When I was young, I was physically, mentally, and other ways abused by different members of my immediate family. We lived in a two-story house, and my room was the only room with an AC unit in the window. My room closet was at the end of the attic that started in the laundry room on the bottom floor. This is how people got to me quickly. It came to the point that I would be so scared to sleep that I would put a butcher knife under my pillow, lock my bedroom door, and put heavy boxes in front of my closed closet door. so. I would be ready if somebody tried to attack me at night. One night, before my 10th birthday, I peacefully slept in my room. I heard my floor squeak, which it did only when someone walked on it. I sat up and clung to my knife to see who was there. But no one was there, and the doors were shut, and the boxes stood still. I clutched the knife and shortly fell back to sleep. A bit later I heard my floor again, but this time I had sunk into my covers and was scared to move. Something inside me felt... A piece came over me, and I peeked over my covers. A man standing in front of me looked oddly like my dad but was sober, glowing, and smiling at me. He looked towards my bedroom door and put his hand on my bed, but I did not feel it. A strange feeling came over me, and I finally fell asleep again. I told my aunt about what I saw, and she didn't believe me. A few nights later, I was asleep again but this time my door was opened because I had assumed I'd be okay because everyone was asleep before me. I remember waking up once as I slept because I heard someone come into my room. At about the same time, I closed my eyes and the man was standing next to me, almost holding me down, putting his finger to his lips as if to tell me to be quiet. I quickly felt at peace and fell back to sleep. The following day, the police, the following day the police asked me what I saw. Someone had broken into our house the night before, and according to the mud prints, they had walked into my room before leaving. They got away with all the money my parents had. When they found my dad's wallet and mom's purse, they also found a gun with three bullets inside. Was the man there to keep me safe? I barely remember July 10th's birthday. I remember my radio was thrown down the stairs, and I remember my cousins left early. She later told me I was poorly beaten until I was knocked unconscious. I remember that man caressing my head as I drifted to sleep. A little while later, I dreamt about a plane show, and a German World War II fighter was doing tricks, but something went wrong, and 103 people standing nearby were injured, and the pilot was killed in the crash. I told my dad about it, and he told me it must have been a movie I saw. The next day, we watched a plane show, and exactly what happened in my dream happened in real life. Both of us were amazed. In 1985, I was sent to live with a foster family while my family found help. They moved to Ohio but asked the judge if I could help care for the kids during the summer of 1987. I had a fantastic summer. The man returned to me a few nights before leaving but went quickly. I mentioned it to my foster mom, but she told me to pray the next time I saw him. The night before I was supposed to leave, we stayed with her parents in Michigan. The plane was supposed to leave the following day, routed to Newark, New Jersey, and then to Virginia State. In New Jersey, I would get off the plane and go to another to get back to Virginia. As I slept, I saw the man again. He played games, hugged me, and even showed me he likes to work puzzles. During the night, I dreamt that there was a plane that crashed and the 268 people on board were all killed. A three-year-old little girl was the only survivor, Her grandmother and mom were driving on a back road when a wing flew off and hit them. The ladies were killed instantly, and so was everyone on board. My man suddenly changed his demeanor. He seemed more angry than sad, and started searching the rubble. I woke up in a sweat and told my foster mom what happened. She just told me to focus on the rumbling of the thunder and go back to sleep. I did. At 10 a.m., she woke me up and told me the storm had knocked out all the power in the neighborhood. My plane was scheduled at 8. As we drove to the airport, there was debris everywhere. They had white sheets covering up things they found all over the roads. There were way too many ambulances to count and police. I started to cry because it was too much stress to think about. I was two hours late for my plane, and there was death all around me. When we got to the airport, the manager on the floor grabbed my foster family and hurried us to a closed room. He explained that the flight was full, but one person didn't board me. He said my flight went up on time and then went down a few minutes later, killing everybody. The news never mentioned the storm, but my foster family knew it had happened. It was the only storm to hit this side of Michigan at that time. I told the man about my dream and he said there was another crash he had gotten wind that a wing from the plane flew off and hit a family in a car on the side of the road. Before I boarded another flight, I learned only a three-year-old girl survived. It was too devastating. I stayed with my dad and sister when I returned to Virginia. While there, she asked me to help her clean up the attic. This was the first time I'd ever been there and I felt uneasy as I started picking up random old pictures off the floor. There he was. In the picture, my man was holding a baby girl in 1932. It was my aunt. I told my aunt this was my man and she told me to see my grandma. My grandma looked at the photo for a while then she told me about the first born girls on her side of the family who saw and felt things that no one else could understand. She also said to me that the man in the photo was her first husband, who was my dad's father. He died when I was eight years old in Texas. She wondered if he was sent to me to help keep me safe when I needed it most. The last time I saw him was the end of May. I dreamt that my dad drank himself to death and he gave me a big hug and walked out towards a cemetery. I remember feeling very sad and lonely. Two weeks later, my husband, aunt, and I found my dad in his living room dead, exactly the way in my dream. My aunt and I felt that there was someone or something else in that room with us. Later, she told me that she felt as if someone had hugged her. I thought so too. And later... She told me she felt as if someone had hugged her. I thought so too. Finally, my grandfather and my dad were together again, and these are the moments in time I will not forget too easily. My grandmother was right. I know when someone is about to die, or when something's going to happen, and my oldest daughter has the same feelings. This story takes place about three years after my family and I moved to Grafton, Virginia. I'm 16 years old and live with my two younger brothers, Ben and James, and my parents on a hundred acre densely wooded lot. I'm not trying to ramble on, so let me start telling my story. It was almost summer break, and my brothers and I had just gotten off the bus. The walk to the house would take about 20 to 25 minutes if we kept a good pace. We get off the bus around 2.45 and got home around 3.15 to 3.20 most days, so no one in my family worries when it takes us a little while to get home. While the three of us walked towards the house, I noticed the woods were silent. At first, I didn't think much of it. I had my brothers to talk to to keep my mind at ease. But after a few more minutes of walking and it was still dead silent under the our conversation, I got a weird feeling. I told my two brothers to be quiet for a minute and listen. They stopped talking, and I focused on scanning the wood line in all directions to see if I could spot any movement at all. Nothing. Not a single ounce of noise. Then the woods suddenly erupted with singing, birds, and everything went back to normal. Not wanting to make my brothers any more scared than they were, I just picked up the pace, and they followed behind. We got home, put our school bags down, and looked through the pantry for snacks. My mother must have been home early since we saw her car in the driveway. She came down the stairs and talked to us about the school and offered to cook us some pancakes. We agreed and helped her get out the ingredients she needed to make them. We're out of eggs, I said to my mother. She told me to go out to the chicken coop and see if there were any she missed while out there this morning. I slipped on my shoes and made my way out the back door. The walk from the house to the chicken coop is not very short. It's about 10 minutes away from home and not in a clearing. The first two minutes of the walk were not bad. They were utterly uneventful, if I would say so myself. Nothing really out of place happened. It wasn't until I saw the coop that the woods were silent again. Like on the way home from the bus, I scanned the woods like before to see if anything was moving. And like last time, I didn't see anything. But something was definitely off about this. I got this deep sense of dread that almost made me vomit in fear, and the thought of something or someone staring at me would just not leave the back of my mind. Something or someone was watching me, and I could not see where or what it was. Being a dumb kid I picked up a few rocks and proceeded to throw them into different spots of the woods to scare whatever it was away. This only made what was watching me mad. It let out a groan that sounded like a dying animal. Suddenly, rocks started getting thrown from inside the woods and it was aimed directly toward me. I screamed and started running back toward the house. This thing was following me. Every time I would run a bit faster, it did the same. It was running completely parallel with me. It was just behind the wood line and I couldn't see it. Once I got to the backyard, I ran to the steps and into my house. My mother looked at me in shock and she told me I was pale as a ghost. Not caring about the eggs, she comforted me and told me to say, What happened? I did, and she just laughed it off and told me it was my imagination getting the best of me. My two younger brothers laughed and said they would come with me to get the eggs so I wouldn't be scared. Not knowing how to tell them no and not wanting to be the chicken older brother, I agreed to have them come with me. I picked up a big stick while walking with them and then walked ahead. Once we made it to the chicken coop, I noticed that the door was open and that none of the chickens were there. After my brothers gathered some eggs, I went to look for the chickens. About 30 feet behind the coop, a horrible smell hit my nose and made me gag. All the chickens had been ripped apart and left to rot. Now, even more scared than before, I told my brothers that we needed to get to the house as quickly as we could so we didn't end up like those chickens. Again, they laughed at me and walked to the house like normal. But not wanting to leave them alone, I stuck with them. Halfway home, I heard something behind us crunch a stick. My heart sank because they were in front of me. I turned and saw nothing, but the woods were deathly quiet. That sense of dread hit me again, and I wanted to vomit, but I ended up holding it together and saying, What the hell is that? And we all ran, dropping the eggs once again. Our mission failed. I didn't see what he was looking at until a rock flew out of the woods and hit me in the forehead. Then I finally saw what this thing was. Then I finally got a glimpse as to what this thing was. It had to have been seven or eight feet tall, an almost translucent gray color with those bright white eyes. I can only describe them as the headlights of a car. This thing was giant and did not seem like it feared us at all. I grabbed my two brothers' hands and took off as fast as we could back to the house. This thing followed extremely closely behind until we reached the porch. We all turned around and saw it standing about 60 feet from the house. As weird as this may sound, it smiled at us. It almost looked sad that we had run away. The three of us got inside and locked the back door. At this point, my dad was home and we explained what we had seen. Ah, the Grafton monster, he said and laughed, as my mom did earlier that day. The last week of school ended and we got off the bus for the final time that year. Not worrying about what we saw on that horrible day, we got to the house a bit earlier than usual. My mom wasn't home yet, so we got the key from under the mat and went inside. Turning around to put the key back under the rug, I saw those bright white eyes and that devilish, again almost sad looking smile and started crying in fear. I could tell this thing was not going to hurt us, at least I didn't think so but the fear of not knowing what the hell this thing was, was bothering me, and still bothers me to this day. It's been six years since the first time of... It's been six years since the first time the three of us saw it, and we still occasionally have rocks thrown at us while walking. It's become normal. Sometimes we even throw them back. Sometimes we even hear a weird groan-like laugh and keep on with our day. I don't know what this thing is or what its intentions are, Still, it hasn't seemingly caused any problems other than killing our chickens. Thanks for picking my story and I just wanted to say thank you, Swamp Dweller. Your videos keep me and my family entertained on late weekend nights, and everyone enjoys listening to your scary true stories. Hey Swamp Folk, before we get into this story, I just wanted to put another disclaimer that this story also has themes of assault in different variations. So if that bothers you, use the timestamps in the description or pinned comment to skip ahead. I used to live in a trailer park in Virginia. While living there, I babysat a little girl named Crystal who lived across from me. She was a sweet little three-year-old with bright red hair. She seemed to be abused. One time, she had a black eye and her parents said she ran into a doorknob. Once, when I had to bathe her, she told me somebody had hurt her privates, but would not tell me who. She was often found wandering about the trailer park alone, at all hours of the day. It was all unfortunate, and I tried to report it, but I was told that I needed to have some sort of proof. Even though I had some pictures, I guess that wasn't enough. After some time, her mother had another little girl. They named her Katie. When Katie was around a month old, she died. Her mother told me she got up to lie on the couch, breastfed her in the middle of the night, and fell asleep. She said she awoke in the morning to see Crystal lying there next to her, and it took her a minute to remember that it was supposed to be Katie. When she pushed Crystal off, Katie was dead. Now Crystal was a small child, even for three. Her mom was a huge woman, so I'm not sure I bought that story, to be honest. Crystal was told that she killed Katie she talked to me about it, often when I watched her after that. She would say, Katie's here, and I would say, Oh no, baby, Katie's in heaven, remember? She would look sad and look down. I had a dream one night where she did this too, and when I told her the same thing, she looked sad and walked away right past a mirror. When she did, I saw a little girl following her. Sometimes I noticed when Crystal would go out of a door, the door would reopen and shut like she was being followed. It happened so often that it was a little scary. Other people even noticed it. After a while, her parents had another child, a boy, and I babysat him too. Finally, I mentioned the dream one day to her parents, and the mother looked shocked and kind of looked at her husband. They then told me she had seen a little girl in their hallway after their son was born, and she asked them why they had replaced her. It was chilling. She died as a baby but was always seen as a little girl. Soon after, they moved, and another family moved in there. One person who was living there told me the children's toys would move on their own or make noises even when they didn't have batteries. They had no idea about Katie. I used to hear a little girl's voice often in my home as well. Just a muffled child's voice that sounded just like she was playing, but I could never understand the words. I would look outside to find a source of the sound and never could. It started happening more often when I was finally about to move out. A friend visiting even heard and was freaked out. She even investigated the area it sounded like it came from but found nothing. I told her about Katie and the stories around her, and I guessed that maybe she was just sad that the only person around that she knew was leaving. It almost made me sad to leave her too. By the way, Crystal grew up to be a fine young woman, so at least she survived. When I was about 10 or 11 years old, I went to a friend's house the next state over for a weekend. We lived nearby, but her family moved from Maryland to Virginia. I used to spend a few nights at her house, but after this event, I never returned. Her parents went on a date and left my friend and me alone with her older brother. He was always a jerk to us, typical older brother stuff. Well, he was in the TV room that was in the basement, and at some point he left and went upstairs so we decided to take over the TV and watch a movie. I don't remember what movie it was because we barely started it when he stormed in, yelling at us to get out. At this point, we are used to him bullying us, so we decided to yell back. He got angry and stormed off, and we laughed and thought we had won. We were very, very wrong. He came back downstairs and yelled at us again, but this time when we turned to yell back, we saw he had a knife. He told us we needed to get out of there or he would stab us. We, of course, didn't think he would, so we told him he wouldn't do anything and later were going to tell their mom. He got even angrier and ran toward us with the knife. Somehow, we managed to get out of the room. Now, I'll give you a quick layout of the house. The basement was a big circle around the steps that go upstairs. It had some rooms and a door outside. The upstairs was a kitchen, living room, dining room, sitting room, and an office that stayed closed off. The next floor had four bedrooms, the biggest was her parents' room. Her parents had her bathroom, a small closet, and a walk-in closet, and its living room, a huge house. No, we had plenty of places to run. We ran upstairs into the ground floor and he ran after us. He chased us around the big circle to the front door through the two rooms into the kitchen. Now, I have always been a chubby kid, so I started to get out of breath at this point. We stopped and turned around to tell him we weren't having fun. We realized he wasn't just trying to mess with us. He had brought the knife down right at me and barely missed my chest. We freaked out and started to scream, running up the stairs. I know what you're thinking. We didn't run outside and get help. We were idiots, that's why. We ran upstairs and into her mom's room. We went into the living room, in there, and hid around the corner. We heard him slamming doors and yelling for us to come out. Eventually he had entered the room and we had to run past him again. We closed all the bedroom doors, slamming and yelling. But then he got to her room and realized the door was locked. He started banging on the door, and from what I heard, I think he was trying to unlock it with the knife. This part gets a little fuzzy because I was pumped with adrenaline, but I remember sitting in her closet holding each other close, and she was crying, but I was not for some reason. I held her mouth the whole time so he wouldn't hear us. After what felt like forever, we heard a loud banging at the door, and then the door opened. People were yelling. The neighbors heard us scream and called the police. They had to tackle him because he still had the knife. A lady cop came to the door and asked us to open it, and after talking through the door for a few minutes, we did. Her parents came home and her dad took me back to my house in the middle of the night. They didn't tell my parents anything and I think they were way too scared to say anything. They didn't find out till I was 18 years old. I don't know why I never filled them in either. We found out a few years after it happened that he went to stay in a mental hospital for a while. He seems to be fine now, but I never want to be left alone with him again. I'm not sure if my rambling made any sense, but thank you for taking the time to read my story. Thanks for listening to Swamp Dweller's Scary Stories. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets on YouTube, the more they promote it and it helps the swamp grow its ever-expanding waters. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please give us a 5-star rating there as it helps me grow on those platforms, and it's very much appreciated. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the Swamp, and stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you're on the go, but don't have YouTube Premium and still want to download your favorite Swamp Dweller Scary Stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and just about anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you'd like to support the Swamp outside of that, maybe check out our merch store. I've got t-shirts, hoodies, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp Threads. Be sure to join me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, and Discord, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.